Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. The foul and dreadful series of murders lately brought to light in Labette County, Kansas, continues to be an all-absorbing topic of speculation and conversation throughout the state and to excite wonder and amazed horror all over the nation. Every item or circumstance connected with the horrid butchery is diligently sought after and ears made credulous by the fearfully true story of the damnable deeds of the Bender family are made to drink in rumors and stories which have their foundation only in imagination, which vainly labors to invent something more strange and horrid than reality. The Times has already published such full and generally accurate accounts of the discovery of the affair and the subsequent movements of the populace, officers, and criminals that little remains to be added but the following facts, gleaned by the Times' special reporter who returned from Hell's Half Acre, as the Bender Garden will hereafter be known, yesterday will be read with universal interest. The Weekly Kansas City Chief, May twenty second, 1873. Happy October, everybody. It is October, objectively the best month on the calendar. Halloween is coming up, and for the remainder of the month, I'll be focusing on bloody, horrifying, terrible, and generally violent and unpleasant historical episodes. This week, The Bloody Benders, America's first ever serial killers, or at least first known serial killers. The Benders, they were a family of four, or at least they appeared to be a family of four. More on that in a bit. And the two older ones, the supposed parents, they were commonly referred to as simply Ma and Pa Bender, because that was a name you could have back in Kansas in the 1870s. There were also two younger Benders. There were Thomas and Kate. And the older Benders, Ma and Pa, they were German immigrants, and they spoke German amongst themselves, and when they did speak English, they did so with very, very heavy accents. But the two younger ones... They spoke perfect, fluent English. The Benders, they operated a small inn on the Osage Trail, later known as the Santa Fe Trail, where they sold food and dry goods to travelers and also rented their house as an inn. Uh, Kate Bender, who was probably the most active and social one, also advertised herself as a psychic and a spiritual healer and would tell people's fortunes as they were going to head on down the Dusty Trail. Also, they killed people. So... Their method of killing was pretty specific. Uh, if you were a person staying at their inn, here's something that could probably happen to you. Commonly, they would encourage their guest to sit at a particular chair in their inn where dinner would be ready and there would be conversation and such. And that particular chair had its back to a curtain. So while you're sitting there chatting with the other benders and there is a curtain behind you, um, another one of the benders would be right behind you, obscured by the curtain, and then bash your head in from behind with a heavy hammer. After that happened, that was the cue for another one of them to get up from the table and slit the victim's throat. Uh, after they were reasonably certain that you were dead, they would open up a trap door, dump you into the basement, and keep you down there until they had the opportunity to bury you in the yard, outside in the garden. Uh, the Hell's Half Acre from that newspaper excerpt that I read at the top of the show. This method of killing people, it reminds me more than a little of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, that movie that drew a fair amount from Ed Gein, who was a much more famous later serial killer. But I do wonder if the screenwriters and directors also drew on the Bloody Benders for inspiration. 
After all, the first kill in that movie is with a hammer to a forehead. Um, and later still, there's a dinner table scene, which is horrifying, and it seems to recall how the Benders killed people. And if you've never seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, what's wrong with you? You really should watch it. It's easily the best of the first generation of 1970s slasher movies. The first Halloween is great. Nightmare on Elm Street is fine. Uh, Friday the 13th is basically derivative garbage. It's not all that interesting. I've seen all of them. But the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is an unalloyed masterpiece whether or not you like horror movies. But I digress. So, the Benders, or the Bloody Benders as they are known, uh, they had this little kill house on the Osage Trail, and we have no idea how many people they actually killed. Uh, they preyed on travelers, and most of the people passing through 1870s Kansas, they didn't really have social connections, or email, or ways of telling people that they were, you know, dead. Lots of people wouldn't miss a single dead frontier drifter, or a lone pioneer who goes missing. So the Benders, they were able to get away with their little kill hobby for some time, but eventually they did kill somebody whose absence was noted. Uh, they ended up offing a guy named Dr. William York, a prominent physician, and York's family eventually noted his absence, and after the doctor was gone, his two brothers insisted that there was a sweep of the area, of this area around the Osage Trail, where he was last seen. Uh, various homesteads, they were searched, and, by the way, I wonder how did they get away with this without actually having a warrant, and that included the Bender's place. That is when the Benders were discovered. The Kansas posse, the various vigilantes who are going out and looking in every nook, cranny, homestead they could find, when they go into the Benders' place, they discover a large, heavy, bloody hammer, um, a bloodstained floor, a trap door down which bodies can be deposited, and also the dead Dr. York, and seven other dead bodies, including an infant who'd been buried alive. Now, we don't know what the Benders' motivation were. Um, they did rob their victims, but it seems that they did it just for the thrill of it. But that's not all. After the posse that had been assembled to look for Dr. York found out that the Benders were in fact serial killers, uh, people started looking into them, and they began to realize that they weren't even named Bender, and they were not, it turns out, biologically related to each other. Uh, Ma and Pa Bender, they were indeed married, and Kate, she was the daughter of Ma Bender, but Thomas Bender, he was just some guy who was posing as their son. Um, Ma Bender, it seemed, also was some kind of reverse bluebeard, because she'd been married to a number of men before she married Pa Bender, and many of them, it seems, died of pretty severe head trauma. So... We don't know what exactly brought these people together, but a messed-up narrative starts to present itself. And me, with my overactive imagination, I like to imagine a group of serial killers brought together by some happenstance or accident who decided, after some bizarre and possibly violent set of circumstances, maybe they were all trying to kill the same person or trying to kill each other, that they all were into this, and they should all go in together on this little kill house on the prairie in 1870s Kansas, where they would, you know, murder travelers for fun. And 
I use the term kill house on the prairie intentionally because easily the most famous person associated with the Bloody Benders is Laura Ingalls Wilder, the author of the Little House on the Prairie books. So, she never mentioned a family of serial killers in her books, but later on she did talk about how her family was in Kansas during the same time as the Bloody Benders. This right here is a 1937 speech from Laura Ingalls Wilder. Quote, There were Kate Bender and two men in the family, and her tavern was the only place for travelers to stop on the road south from Independence. People disappeared on that road. Leaving Independence and going south, they were never heard of again. It was thought they were killed by Indians, but no bodies were ever found. Then it was noticed that the Bender's garden was always freshly plowed, but never planted. People wondered, and then a man came from the east looking for his brother, who was missing, and that man that he was looking for was Dr. York, quoting Laura Ingalls Wilder again. He made up a party in Independence, and they followed the road south, but when they came to the Bender place, there was no one there. There were signs of hurried departure, and they searched the place. The front room was divided by a calico curtain, against which the dining table stood. On the curtain back of the table were stains about as high as the head of a man when seated, Behind the curtain was a trap door in the floor, and beside it lay a heavy hammer. In the cellar underneath was the body of a man whose head had been crushed by the hammer. It appeared that he had been seated at the table back to the curtain, and had been struck from behind it. A grave was partly dug in the garden with a shovel close by. The posse searched the garden and dug up human bones and bodies. One body was that of a little girl who had been buried alive with her murdered parents. The garden was truly a graveyard, kept plowed so it would show no signs. The night of the day the bodies were found, a neighbor rode up to our house and talked earnestly with Pa. This would be Pa Ingalls, Laura Ingalls Wilder's dad, not Pa Bender. Again, it was 1870s Kansas. Lots of people were named Pa. Quoting Laura Ingalls Wilder again. Pa took his rifle down from its place over the door and said to Ma, The vigilantes are called out. Then he saddled a horse and rode away with the neighbor. It was late the next day when he came back, and he never told us where he had been. For several years there was more or less a hunt for the benders, and reports that they had been seen here or there. At such times, Pa always said in a strange tone of finality, they will never be found. Unquote. So, Ingalls's recollection of her father going out to hunt for the benders is very likely an embellishment. Her family really was in Kansas at the same time as the Bender family, but she would have only been four at the time, and it's unlikely that she would have been able to remember something that happened when she was four with such vividness. It's far, far more likely that Laura Ingalls Wilder is also drawing on newspaper articles and sensationalism and things in the popular media at the time and attributing it that to her own memory, to her own experience. This very much could be a false memory of hers, those are real, but that is really neither here nor there. There's another more serious issue with Laura Ingalls Wilder and the Bloody Benders. I am not the first person to point this out, but Laura Ingalls Wilder's books often cast the Osage Native Americans as a force to be feared, and she had, it seems, no issues about including frightening and threatening indigenous people in her children's books. But when it came to the Benders, very frightening killer white people, uh, they were left out. And as beloved as the Little House books are, again, they were not racially progressive at all. And the inclusion of violent Native Americans and the exclusion of violent white Americans 
is discomforting at best. Whether or not Laura Ingalls Wilder's memories of the Benders were genuine or not, uh, again, that's sort of immaterial, since she admitted that her books, they were not completely faithful memoirs. When she talked about the Little House books, she said that they had been massaged and altered to make for better stories. They were based on her memory. They were not mirrors of her memory. Her goal was putting together a good narrative, not presenting a completely accurate picture of her own frontier childhood. Wouldn't a tale of a frontier family wigged out by serial killers nearby, wouldn't that make for a better story? Wouldn't that be fundamentally more interesting than what actually went into the Little House on the Prairie books? I never really got into the Little House on the Prairie books as a kid. When I was young, I was reading authors like Isaac Asimov and John Belair's, and I found the Little House books to be, frankly, kind of boring. But had there been a family of Texas Chainsaw Massacre-esque serial killers who stored corpses in their secret death basements in those books, I might have given them another look. As Laura Ingalls Wilder mentioned, the Benders, they were never found. Several people were arrested for receiving stolen goods that the Benders plundered from their victims. Also, a few other people, women and men, they were misidentified as members of the Bender family, but it later turned out they just bore a passing similarity to the killers. The actual Benders, it seems, slipped away. We don't know what became of them. We don't know where they went. We don't know if they ever killed anyone else. We don't know if somehow, secretly, they were able to open up their frontier murder house once again. America's first ever documented serial killers, it seems, died free. Interesting Times is recorded at the studios of Portland's X-Ray FM, 91.1 and 107.1 in Portland, Oregon. We are engineered by Arthur Rosado. We are a listener-supported podcast. This podcast is ad-free and supported by you. If you wish to support this podcast... You do wish to support this podcast? Go to interestingtimespodcast.com and click on the donate link to do that thing. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash interestingtimes with Joe Streckert. I am on Twitter at Joe Streckert, Tumblr. And please do review the podcast on iTunes. That really, really helps other people discover the show. Uh, give us a rating. Give us a review. We are also on Stitcher. Thank you very much for, for listening. And we will be back next week with something else horrifying because it remains October. Thanks, guys. Bye. The Shank Hill Butchers on the Rhine They're waiting until the dead of night They're picking at their fingers with their knives And wiping off their cleavers on their thighs Cause Don't mind your mother's words Oh, wicked will blow The ribbons from your curls, everybody